0: we <laughs> Welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm Tim Moore, the Senior Evangelist at Lamb & Lion Ministries, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Nathan Jones, our Internet Evangelist. Last week we completed our review of Leviticus, focusing on God's desire to dwell with His people and the tension that existed as the holy and profane were in such close proximity.
1: We emphasized the role of the priest as a mediator and intercessor for the people. Only priests could enter the holy place in the tabernacle and later the temple, and only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, and that only once a year. We're going to turn
0: our attention now to the book of Numbers and focus on God's holy priesthood. This book once again picks up a flow of narrative still around 3,500 years ago, call it 1420 B.C. As the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, God ongoingly cared for them, meeting all their needs, but also forgiving and loving them. And early in the book, He outlined the duties of the priests and all the Levite men who would serve Him foremost, with that brief introduction, we're excited to have a very special guest with us in the studio today, a friend who has come all the way from Israel.
1: Avi Mizraki is the founder and pastor of Adonai Roy, a Messianic congregation in Tel Aviv, and Dugit Outreach Ministries. His heart for the Jewish people is demonstrated every day as he shares the Gospel, disciples his flocks, and speaks internationally about the eternal promises of God and His chosen people, Israel. He and his wife, Chaya, are avid servants of the Most High God.
0: Abi, we're so delighted to have you with us today on this episode of Christ in Prophecy. Thank you for joining us.
2: Shalom. Well,
1: Nahum Sokolov in his uh, Hebrew translation of Theodor Herzl's book, Atlungland, uh, in German means it's the old new land. What did he mean by that, the
2: old new land? <laughs> Well, because, you know, until 1948, it was like the land of Palestine, and it was basically desolate for almost 1,900 years after the destruction of the temple, and nobody were interested. And in fact, just, uh, just to throw this out, uh, it was the Romans, after they destroyed the temple the city of Jerusalem, they changed the name of the land of Israel to Palestina. So it was known as Palestine, a deserted land. Nobody wanted to go there.
1: After the Philistines, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay.
2: And uh, it's interesting that uh, when they came to form this new city, the first city built by Jews that will speak Hebrew, they said, we need a new name. So they called it Tel Aviv to remember the old, but now we're doing something new. And what? is
1: the hill of the spring, is there a spring in Tel Aviv that, that's named after
2: uh, not necessarily, but spring for us, it rings about springtime also, something oh, okay. new, fresh something new. after the winter has finished and now when springtime and everything is green.
0: Well, speaking of names, I was interested when I was looking up some information on you. There's another Avi Mizrahi in Israel who's a famous general in the IDF, yeah. and yet your name, Avi, comes from? Abraham, so Abraham yeah. in English, and yet you were also telling me something beautiful about the book we know of as Numbers. In Hebrew it has a different name.
2: Yes. In Hebrew the name is Bamidbar, which means in the desert. Huh. And, and it's, it's beautiful because in the word Bamidbar we have the word Davar, which is the word of God. In other words, God is taking us to the desert to speak to us. So, the people, the Israelites, they enter the wilderness, the desert, in Exodus chapter 19, then they leave the Sinai desert in Numbers chapter 10.
0: Beautiful. Well, as we look at what we call the book of Numbers, or as you talk about, in the wilderness, uh, the obvious title, at least in English reflects the fact that God called the people to have a census, to count the number of men. And at one point He said, count the number of firstborn as opposed to the number of the tribe of Levi. And these, these men from the tribe of Levi were called to a very special role. And so, in addition to the historical narrative of this particular book, there's also an emphasis on the priesthood and on that special calling. So, from a Jewish perspective, Avi, what was the role of the priest and who could aspire to actually serve in that special role?
2: Okay, well, the priesthood, in Hebrew, priest is Kohen, the priest. So he was serving unto the Lord, bringing the sacrifices unto the Lord. And it was like the mediator between God and the people. And then you have also the Levites from the tribal levy, and they were serving, the priesthood helping, but also they were in charge of the worship with the instruments. So it's very interesting when you study it to see how God has orchestrated all this together.
0: Well, I'll also observe this. At times the the priest and the Levites were very zealous in defending the honor of the Lord and in excising sin from the people. Other times they were not very zealous about defending the honor of the Lord. But as the people of Israel began to do what uh, is described as playing the harlot, Uh, by marrying their sons with the daughters of Moab and beginning to worship those false gods, Aaron's grandson, so a priest himself, uh, Phineas, ruthlessly slayed both the Israelites and the Midianite women who had defiled the nation. And in doing so he ended a plague that had come upon them in God's anger. That's in Numbers uh, chapter 25. And yet at other times the, the very sons of Levi were instigators of rebellion and wrongdoing, as when uh, Korah rose up against Moses and tried to lead a rebellion against God's chosen leader. And in that instance, God brought down judgment and the, the earth itself swallowed up Korah and some of the others who had rebelled. Well, I tell you what, being a priest, even then, was a heavy burden.
2: Yeah, and uh, it's, it's in chapter 16 about the whole story of Korah. And, and it says there that he also took with him 250 leaders challenging Moses and Aaron. And when you think about it, I mean, there definitely was like a coup, you know, against the leadership, the anointed one that God has anointed. And then God brought His judgment. Mm. Mm. And all of them went under.
1: They did, yes. Numbers 22 is a nice little, I feel like it's an oasis in the middle of the desert of endless counting in Numbers because it's the story of Balaam and his talking donkey. <laughs> which is all interesting. But besides that, was it normal in the Bible for foreign entities or foreign nations to call prophets to come and bring curses against Israel?
2: Well, um, in modern day today, we're used to that, because <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> when Israel declared independence 14th of May 1948, all our neighbors didn't say, "Alan, and welcome." <laughs> just the opposite. They declared war and they cursed us. Yes. and they yeah. said, "We'll kill you and throw you to the sea." So nothing has changed since then. <laughs> <laughs> we're still living in Bible times yeah. <laughs> um, But you know, uh, I would like to add uh, with this issue of Balaam. In chapter 24, uh, it's the, f- the four times. By the way, four times they he asked Balam to curse mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, Balak. asked Balam to curse Israel four times. Mm-hmm. And in chapter 24, uh, verse 17, it's towards the end of the time that he's uh, blessing Israel. And then he goes, "I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel." Which I find it interesting because now we're talking about not just blessing Israel, but he's talking prophecy to the future, talking about King David, that he will reign over Israel, but not only King David, because that scepter is going to go to the son of King David, which is the Messiah.
1: Wow. All the way back in Numbers. I hadn't
0: even thought about that. That's a beautiful insight, Avi. You know, this book also points of, or tells us about God's indignation rising as the people alternately followed and obeyed and then fell away and got into a cycle of grumbling and and complaining. And in one instance He actually sent fiery serpents among them and they would would bite the people and many people perished. And then He told Moses to craft a bronze serpent and lift it on a pole. It seems kind of an odd uh, practice, but anyone who looked at that bronze serpent who trusted in God's provision would be healed and would be protected from the fiery serpents. And not only is that bronze serpent on a pole become a symbol of modern medicine, that's what you see if you go to a doctor's office on their emblem, but Jesus cited that very incident as pointing to the Son of Man who would be lifted up, who would be raised up, and all who looked to Him and put their trust in Him would be saved. And so He said, as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believe in him will have eternal
2: life amen amen and it's amazing because also there's another scripture where it takes a, a, a person that is hang on a tree is cursed so they had to you know in, in Jesus time they had to look on this person who's been crucified cursed but he became a curse for us so that what we may live so we can break the curse
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so, the serpent who was cursed by God was the one raised up on the pole and Christ being cursed, another analogy I hadn't even thought of quite frankly.
2: Well, it's
1: interesting as we study this series and try to find Jesus in the Old Testament, I think we find so many instances of God we don't think of. Like the Shekinah glory of God would come down onto the tabernacle outside the door as a pillar of clouds. Uh, And he didn't tolerate sin or rebellion, clearly, as we read about in Korah's rebellion. And he rebuked, but he pardoned, right? And he wasn't just a judge, but he also was very gracious and merciful. So in Numbers, uh, let's look at it as the way it points to our high priest. Does Numbers, do you believe, as a book, point to Jesus Christ being our high priest and mediator between Christians and himself?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely um, we know about Melchizedek, you know, in, in the book of Hebrews talks about the Messiah. He's the mm-hmm. king. And he's the king of righteousness. Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's very clear that he's pointing out to the Messiah, our high, priest, our high priest, king, Messiah.
1: So, that's with Jesus, you've got all three, you've got king, priest, and prophet all wrapped up in one, right? Yes.
0: Wow. Well, I would echo that when you look at the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer says this, the main point is this, we have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. So, Avi, on that note, we all agree Jesus is our high priest, but I wanted you to come today and share because you've been called of God to serve, in essence, as a priest, a minister uh, with a flock there in Israel and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, how did you come to know Him as your great God and Savior, and how did you come to understand the calling He would placed on your life to serve in a role such as this?
2: Wow. You have an hour? I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, um, it's only by the grace of God. See, I was, to make a long story short, I was born and raised in a Jewish family in Tel Aviv, Israel. Uh, my parents survived the Holocaust. They came from Europe in 1948. Finished high school, joined the army. I was in the Israeli Air Force for four years. I was lost in sin in the world when I finished my duty to my country. I decided 35 years ago to come to America, to explore America, want to go to Las Vegas, gamble and become rich and all this nonsense. You were a
1: professional gambler, right, at that time period? Uh,
2: not really, but I was definitely a, a gambler. And a,
1: so don't, this don't play col- cards with you.
2: Right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, on my way to, to, to Las Vegas, I stopped to visit my sister in Florida. And I didn't know she's a believer. She's married, she's a believer. And she took me to, she uh, invited me to go to church. And my first reaction was, wait a minute, we're Jews, what's wrong with you? Jews don't go to church. Don't you know that? Are you what's going on here? Uh, but she challenged me in a very loving way and said, it's beautiful, listen what you think, and you will enjoy the music and everything. They have a choir, a lot of single people. And I said, hmm, I'll go and check it out. And, and I was in shock because as a Jew, when you talk about to me um, to go to a church, I'm thinking I'm going to a monastery. Mm. It's going to be dark. There's going to be monks and nuns and a statue of Holy Mary and a statue of all these saints, which I have to bow down because I think that's what Christians do. They bow down and worship idols, worship statues. So I was in shock to come to an evangelical church and, and see this worship and just watching those evangelical Christians yeah. worshiping the Lord, it provoked me to jealousy. Something happened in my heart, and I want to cry. Again, it's the conviction wow. of the power of the Holy Spirit. But I was, I was provoked to jealousy by Christians who were worshiping God. And uh, so to make a long story short, when I repented and accepted Jesus into my heart, and I realized that he's my Messiah. He's not somebody that came from Rome, but <laughs> he's Jewish. Mm. He was born in our country. He was raised in Galilee, in Nazareth. He was a great prophet, a great teacher, healer, raised Lazarus from the dead. He's the anointed one, the Messiah. Mm. And he changed my life to around. And that's our message. When we go in Israel to, and talk to the Israelis, we tell them, wait a minute, how did we miss it? You know, he's our Messiah. And, uh, and automatically, the Israelis, they respond like, wait a minute, we thought that Jesus started, you know, a new religion in Rome. <laughs> mm. And uh, so uh, that's why it's so important for us to uh, explain and share the, the Jewishness of the Messiah, that he's one of us.
1: Beautiful. When I lived in Philadelphia, it seemed like every third person was either Catholic Speaking of Rome, or Jewish, or Protestant. So I had a lot of Jewish friends, but uh, we're talking about numbers here, and I always found it interesting. There's about what 14 million Jews in the world, and now half of them live in Israel, right? That's I think right the other there. half live in Philadelphia. <laughs> but uh, so it looks like Aliyah is is continuing to grow. Yes. I remember we came out to uh, visit you maybe 10 years ago and interview you, and Dr. Reagan asked you, "Where do you see Israel in the next 20 years? Will it survive?" Uh, So then what are some of the challenges can you share that Israel is facing now that it's 10 years later and we got 10 more years to that question. What are some of the blessings that you see Israel is getting and some of the challenges they're
2: facing? Well, let me just share this just to give some statistics. You know, when Israel declared independence in 1948, it was about 600,000 Jews, about half a million Jews. Wow. When Israel declared independence, all our neighbors declared war. And millions of them came and said, oh, we're going to kill the Jews, throw them to the sea. But they forgot something important. Yeah. <laughs> they forgot God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my Bible says, He that keepeth Israel shall no slumber, no sleep. But, and since then, you have to understand, after the war was over, uh, refugees from all over the world, from Europe, from, you know, re- Jewish refugees, from the Arab countries, came to Israel, and within a couple of years, the the, the, the population doubled. Mm. Can you imagine all the problems it would cause? Oh, this yeah. happened here in Dallas? <laughs> so, so, and every year, Jews are still coming back home. In fact, right now, even during the COVID, uh, uh, the coronavirus that has been going on for the last year and a half or so, for the last year, we've had an increase of 30% of Jews coming back home. In other words, more wow. and more Jews have come in the last year uh, from, from America, from Russia, from France, uh, from South Africa and, and Latin America. Even the, during this time, more modules are still making Aliyah today mm. to Israel. And that's
1: all in fulfillment of Ezekiel 36 and 37. Right? Exactly.
2: We wow. see the Scriptures still being fulfilled in our days, and more and more Jews live in Israel today than in the rest of the world.
1: So, so, that would be a big challenge then to try to integrate all those people into housing and jobs and things like that.
2: And coming from different countries and different languages. And had, many of them had to learn Hebrew.
1: <laughs> well, we know that
0: today Jews want to stream to Israel. Many of them are being uh, motivated, and some of them keep, can't even explain why. But there's an episode in Numbers that jumps out, where they were reluctant to go in the land. God, of course, instructed Moses to send 12 spies to check out the land to kind of preview where they were going. And so, the people would be ready to move forward and seize their promise. But they were discouraged when 10 of the spies said, oh, we can't possibly conquer the land. The people are too big there. It's too difficult. And so they rebelled against the Lord. And for their faithlessness at that moment, God's anger was provoked. And He said, how long will this people spurn Me? And how long will they not believe in Me despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst? And eventually He pardoned their sin, but He sentenced them to wander 40 years through that wilderness you talked about. How many people today, Jews and otherwise, fail to seize the promises of God because they're spurning Him And they have not believed Him. They've not recognized the very promises that He is fulfilling before their very eyes and demonstrating our own faithlessness. Not just Jews, but again, too many Gentiles as well.
2: Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because that generation did not enter the Promised Land. It had to go to the next generation. When they came out of the wilderness Mm -hmm. from Numbers and they go to the hills of Moab, and there only the next generation entered the Promised Land because they
1: had no faith in God. Paul said in Romans 8.31, he says, If God is for us, then who can be against us? If we'd only put our faith in Him, we know that He's for us. I think, especially when you mentioned pandemic, how frustrated people are these days, and scared and frightened. But if we had the big picture view that Jesus Christ is coming soon, He's going to put all things right, and set up His kingdom of peace, righteousness, and justice, I think our lives would be a lot more relaxed, wouldn't you say?
2: Yes, I totally agree. One of the, I mean, I live in Israel and I just came to the stage just a few days ago and uh, the message the Lord really spoke to me to speak wherever I go in churches is trust in the Lord Mm -hmm. because he's faithful. Trust him. Don't depend on the things of this world. And God will shake the world and will shake the church because he wants to get rid of all those things that we depend on, on, on on the world systems. He wants us to totally depend on Him, totally depend on Him. And I believe the word is, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. Mm. That's our message for today.
0: You know, perhaps the greatest miracle of of all demonstrated in numbers and continued to be demonstrated in, in my life is not just the regathering of the Jews to Israel in this day and age, but the fact that God in His graciousness loved and forgave not just the children of Israel when they rebelled at, against Him time after time, but He forgave me. He forgave us who put our trust in Him. And Paul cited in Romans chapter 3, verse 3, their faithlessness, talking about the Jewish people, did not nullify the faithfulness of God. And those reassuring words apply to all of us. God is always faithful. So on that note, Avi, God directed Moses to provide Aaron and his sons with a very special blessing to pronounce over the sons of Israel, as contained in Numbers chapter 6, verse 23 through 26. Could you give us that that blessing, reciting it in English and in Hebrew today?
2: Yes, i will be glad to do that. But if I may, I want to throw one sentence before that, if I may. You know, God took them into the wilderness for 40 years, and... During the day, he had the, the cloud, and during the night, he had the fire. And you say, well, that's nice, but let me explain to you. I don't know how many of you have really went to the desert and slept in the desert. I have during my army reserve time. I had to go to the desert with practice, and we slept in the desert. So let me tell you two important things when you are in the desert. <laughs> if you don't have water, you die. Yes. Secondly, during the day, it's so hot, you look for a cloud because you need the shade. So God provided during the day a cloud oh. to give them shade. I had not thought about it. <laughs> and at night, it's freezing. Oh. The desert, it's freezing. You need to be by fire to keep you warm. So what did that they give know. them at night? Fire. In other words, God is the provider during the day and during the night, 24-7.
0: Beautiful. That is beautiful.
2: And, uh, and then later on, we know the story of the rock didn't have water. That's the rock and the water came out, and for us the rock, of course, is Yeshua, Jesus. He is the provider. He takes care of us. Amen? Amen.
1: amen. The living water.
2: So you only need to do the, Please, ironic, blessing. the ironic blessing. I'm gonna do it in Hebrew, my Please. mother
1: tongue.
2: Yes. Amen. <laughs> May the peace of the Prince of Peace be upon you and your family and your homes. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen, amen. Abi, thank you very much for being with us today. And Godspeed to my you pleasure. and your ministry. Shalom, my friends.
2: Shalom, thank you.
0: Well, while we have Avi Mizraki with us here today, Avi, I want you to share with me and with our audience how we can be praying for the people of Israel, for believers in Israel, and what the Lord is doing right there in the Promised Land.
2: Yes, definitely. You know, the, the scriptures talk about praying for our government, people on authority. And I just want to encourage you to pray for our first prime, for our new prime minister, Naftali Bennett. Uh, he is uh, doing a great job and He definitely needs our prayers with all the turmoil that is going on around us. Certainly
0: a lot of that.
2: And then the scripture says also pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom, Shalom Yerushalayim. And we know that the only peace that a person can have is through the Messiah Yeshua. He's our Prince of Peace. So pray for the salvation of the 9 million people who live in the land of Israel. Almost 7 million Jews and, and, and almost uh, 2 million Arabs who live in the land of Israel. We need desperately need the Savior in our lives. And um, also we want to encourage you to pray for the believers in the land, the, the body of Christ, the body yes. of believers in the land. Which is
0: growing even it, now.
2: Yes, it's growing. And now we have about uh, 20,000 uh, believers in the land of Israel. And uh, being a living testimony, we meet regularly together and we pray together. We are a small body, but we, we love one another and respect one another and pray together often and take communion together. And so pray for the body of believers. We have a lot of challenges, and uh, it's not easy, but God is good. God is faithful, and I want to encourage you to connect with the local body like you do. Connect with the local body and and, and pray for us uh, that the kingdom of God will be expanded will expand in the land of Israel. Yes. And um, the third thing that I want to ask you to pray is the whole situation with Iran. Mm. We know that uh, our enemy Iran and the regime there, they, they said very, very openly that they want to destroy Israel from the map, wipe Israel from the map, and that they are working very hard to become nuclear. And we know that eventually somebody has to stop them. Of course, we believe in God, and he that keepeth Israel shall not slumber, no sleep. But with this, uh, the, we know that somehow we'll have to stop them from becoming nuclear because they will uh, shoot the atomic bomb, the nuclear bomb against us. So the whole situation is not a simple situation. So we ask you to pray for us. Uh, pray for the country of Israel, for the people of Israel, for the salvation of Israel, and pray for our prime minister, FOR SUCH A TIME AS THIS.
0: WELL, WE WILL DO THAT NOT ONLY FOR THOSE THREE REQUESTS, AVI, BUT I WILL ADD ONE MORE. WE WILL PRAY FOR YOU AND FOR OTHERS LIKE YOU WHO GOD HAS CALLED TO BE INTERCESSORS, TO BE FOLLOWING IN THAT LINE OF THE HOLY PRIESTHOOD, TO BE SERVING THE FLOCK THERE IN ISRAEL. SO FOR YOU, FOR THE PEOPLE AT DUGIT OUTREACH MINISTRY, FOR DONAI ROYI, THAT YOU WOULD BE BLESSED AND uh, THE LORD WOULD PROVIDE A GREAT OUTPOURING OF BLESSING THROUGH YOU. AND COUNTING MYSELF, I'm going to grab a hold of you like the other nine Gentiles that will eventually, and ask you to take me back with you to Israel. My brother, Godspeed to you as you serve the Lord mightily.
2: Amen. Thank you.
0: Amen, sir. And Godspeed.
1: Well, Tim, I love Avi's passion for the Lord and his dedication to sharing the gospel both to Jews and Gentiles.
0: So do I. And because Avi Mizraki is such a great friend of this ministry, we want to offer a special DVD featuring him on the cover this week. For a donation of $10 or more, we'll send you a copy of Messianic Judaism. If you'd like to know more about the growing number of Jewish believers who are following Yeshua, Jesus, you'll want a copy of this DVD. You know, Nathan, the law regarding the Old Testament priests seems
1: absolutely overwhelming. Oh, it was. Many of them failed, just like Nadab and Abihu. They could not faithfully maintain the precarious intersection of the holy and the profane. And by the time that Jesus arrived, Most priests and Levites did not even have the spiritual discernment to recognize them.
0: The tendency to become callous toward the things of God is evident in all of us. But
1: all of us who are set apart to serve God have an
0: important responsibility.
1: Numbers describes how most of the Jews faltered in their covenant with God. Their faith wavered just as they were poised to seize the promised land. And for their faithlessness, they were condemned to wander the wilderness or desert for 40 years.
0: Our key verse this week is Numbers 1420. As He rebuked the rebellious children of Israel, God said, As I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. He said that only Joshua and Caleb would live
1: to enter the promised land. The point is that the unfaithfulness of man, whether Jews or Gentiles, does not negate the faithfulness of God. He is always faithful.
0: And because no man could serve as priest and mediator forever, Jesus Christ is our great high priest and eternal mediator before the throne of God. He is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We pray that this series focusing on Jesus in the Old Testament has been a great blessing to you so far. There's much more to come. Next week we'll finish the Torah as we move into the book of Deuteronomy. Until then, I'm
1: Tim Moore. And I'm Nathan Jones saying, look up, be watchful, for our great high priest and mediator is drawing near.